Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and this is part two of our conversation with Michael Crawford. In the room is Clint Clifton, Michael Crawford, who is the Director of Missions for the BCMD, and myself. Uh, We covered a bunch of ground last week in the episode uh, looking at really how to be healthy as a church planter, not just getting churches planted, but really um, being healthy in the process. Michael really has some great words of wisdom on this. Clint shared some really important things as well. Uh, And we broke this into two pieces. This is part two of our conversation. So what does it mean and what does it look like to be healthy? What steps, what books, how are you helping guys? So I think I try to make things simple. So we're not talking about perfection here, right? And we're not talking about degrees and like specs, you know, 30 minutes of Bible read and blah, blah. Here's what I think. I think it's holistically addressing every part of you so that you can glorify God and love people. Or love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbors yourself. I mean, those are the two objectives. That's the end of mankind. Everything else flows out of that ocean, right? Or those those out of that trunk. So that doesn't you, – you can be in various stages as long as you're holistically addressing every part of you. Mm-hmm. So like when I talk to a pastor, I'll ask him, how's your thought life? Huh? Well, that's a good question. Like what do you think about? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you talk to a pastor and it's like he says, well, in the last 12 months, I thought about quitting like 12 times. Eh, We probably need to visit that. (laughs) That's become a psychological pathology, whether it's you know what I mean? So it's holistically addressing every part and it's giving you the tools to be able to do that. Now, some people can just do that. They don't need a book. They don't need a seminar. Some of them don't even need a coach. They can self-assess. They're really good at it. Um, I think if a person is holistically addressing every part of themselves, they're in a really good place. Then it's no longer a part of where they are. It's the right trajectory. Yeah, that's good. So how do you, let's say that you're not good at self-assessing and you're like, okay, I, I, I know myself well enough that I'm not healthy and I want to work on myself. What are some directions that that guys can run in to begin growing in the right direction? So I would definitely, I would definitely say you should get, we all need help to do this. I mean, some people are good at it, but everybody needs help Uh, because the way we are transformed the most is through relationship. That's just the way God created us and to do otherwise is insanity. So, and I always suggest that you get someone who's older than you uh, because people who've been there, done that, are just better at it. And that's so, why I hang out with Crawford. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> right, I'm the old man. So uh, I, I do think I, that changed my life. When I started talking regularly to men in their 60s, 65, 70 years old about ministry, it changed my life. Um, so I do think you need to be in a regular kind of coaching type relationship with somebody and someone who has that paradigm who will ask questions like that. Like, so here's the thing though, just a note here. I, I, I think that sometimes that, that idea is pretty popular that we should have older, you know, mentors in our life. But I, I see church planners treating them a little like pets. Like, like I, uh, I this guy fills this slot in my life. But that's different than actually uh, 
some some there being somebody in your life who's a father like figure who their words carry weight with you yeah and they're not just they're not just so the thing is it, this isn't easy to get if you don't have it so yeah so you can't just go and ask somebody to be this for you it right. doesn't work like that no it doesn't work like um that. i mean i have a guy like this in my life uh, fortunately and i recognize there are so many people who do not have this uh, i have a, there's a guy named danny williams in my life that has been just this mentor from the time I was a teenager for me and still is my first go-to when I have a, when I have a needer. And I've noticed as other people in my life have observed him, the way he interacts with me, um, they have leaned into him. They will call him and ask him questions and they, that, you know, because they just, because they can see the way that we interact about that. And so it, it, it's different than just getting sort of a pet mentor. I mean, you're not just getting somebody to go into a category or slot, but you really have to work to be in a position where you are humble of heart around them. And you, you recognize that they're, vantage point and perspective it's very similar to our relationship with the father with the god the father because we we what we say about him is not that we understand your ways god it's that we trust your ways above our own ways yeah and that's a that's a really important thing this there's sometimes where danny will tell me something to do and it won't be my intuition or he'll tell me a way to think about something and and i'll just i'll just go with it because uh, he's never he's not disappointed me in the past when i've leaned into his advice you know yeah no, I would agree with you 100%. Um, I think that if you're going to get a coach, you should get a real coach. It shouldn't be a checked box. And, you know, it's a simple type of thing. At the end of a year, you need to be able to say, as a result of this relationship, I'm a better Christian, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, and I'm a better church planter, and I can show you that. Metrics. Go ask my wife. Is my husband a better husband because he's been coached by you that's the standard not that i'm coached who cares that could just be a waste of 20 30 40 60 minutes of your time once a month it's got to be effective and when you say better church planner just to clarify what you mean is one who can make it for the long haul yes uh one who honors god with his work yes. not one who grows a bigger church exactly yeah yeah i mean if a guy can can become more and more effective at making disciples it is what it is it's hard to argue hey i've you know i've I've gotten better because people were in my life i like you said i listened to them and they're strategic and intentional people it's not just a checked box Mm -hmm. that is one of my concerns with systems and structures on a broader level Mm -hmm. that we see oh you know statistics say that if you're coached you're more likely so then we go coaching route but we don't deal so much with quality. Now it becomes a quantity thing. And it needs to be a box. I believe in the box. Check yeah, the right. box. But some of it's like, no, I need a quality mm. relationship with this mentor coach. Mm. Someone who's going to um, challenge me. And yeah, if, if a 60-year-old man can't do that mm. and a 35-year-old can, then you go with a 35-year-old. Right, yeah. Ooh, but he's younger than me. It doesn't matter. You know, that God's not a respecter of persons. Yeah. It's, it's just who's the person who's going to help me to grow. So to, to your point, I think you, that's one of the ways you do that. But I think you need to be doing that on a personal level, but I also think you need people to help you to do that. Yeah. Um, really good. Okay. Uh, other than a coach, what else would you recommend? What other tools are out there? Let's say there's symptoms of like, okay, I'm not healthy. My wife is telling me I'm not healthy. I'm not balanced. I'm not loving my kids as I should. 
what other tools are out there that you'd recommend other than a coach? So this is where I, uh, you know, I might get in trouble or whatever, but here's what I think. I think if you have the right coach, it's all you need. Mm. Because a right coach, even if they don't have all the resources, they're smart enough to point you to the places where you can go. Mm. So this is crazy. But like, if you call me or you call Clint, and you say, this is where I'm at, what do I need? I can almost guarantee you we'll get you to the places or the people you need to get to, mm. to get healthy. Mm. So rather than say, I mean, a lot of people know who I am and they know like, yeah, I love the Enneagram and I love all this stuff. But it's not really about, it's about, hey, I want the best for this person. I want Christ formed in them. And so I think, what, who do I know? what resources do I have to get that person in that spot? It might be like, hey, you need count. Actually, you need counseling for a year. Like counseling is different than coaching. Like counseling because you got wounds and damages. So you need to go sit on a couch somewhere and just like go deep and cry and be confidential and be safe. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not like, you see what I'm saying? That's just what you need. That's one part of what you need. Well, I know some counselors you could go to. Um, what a coach does is a coach is able to assess a good coach and be able to say, this is where you're at and this is what you need. Mm. And a real coach is humble and realize sometimes what you need is not so much time with me, but he might say, you know, I want you to go spend time with such and such. Yeah. Uh, that word assessment's really important. We've, we've hijacked that word in our, in our world to mean the big test to see if you can get funding or not. Right. Right. I mean, but uh, the word assessment is a really, and that is exactly what a coach does. Although I don't play sports at all and I would never know what a coach does, but, uh, and I mean, a coach is able, they're not disoriented. You know, a coach knows what good looks like, what not good looks like, and know, it knows the whole spectrum. And so be making sure that whoever you're leaning into is somebody who understands a much broader scope of pastoral work. That's why generally somebody who's older, somebody who's done a bunch of, got a bunch of ministry years under their belt. Um, they're going to intuitively, you know, even if they're, they're not endowed with a whole bunch of spiritual wisdom, they're going to intuitively know some of those really sort of practical things. They, they can place you on a spectrum. Yes. They can say, yeah, of, of pastors that I know and have worked with, you're really unhealthy in this area right. or you're really healthy in this area. Yeah. And, and that's incredibly helpful because we don't know that about ourselves. Our self-assessment's not good. And generally in our churches, people around us are either they're either, if the culture of our church is they're criticizing us and tearing us down all the time that either that, or they're overly building us up and they're only telling us good things about ourselves. Some of you, I probably your biggest problem in your church plant is not over criticism. It's over compliment. You know, people are only telling you positive things and they're waiting till they get in the car with their spouse on the way home uh, to say the negative things. There's no context in your church plant for them to talk to you authentically about yeah. the things that there is that you need to grow in. Yeah. Yeah. I think a great question. We brought this up before just in church planting with leaders and consulting in churches is to say, when you lead, what do people experience? Because that's far more important than what you think they're experiencing. Yeah. You know, when I, when I planted my church, go to my pastors and say, what is it like to be led by Michael Crawford? That's really the essence of my leadership. And that's true. So then it's like, that's the assessment. And then it's like, okay, yeah. So what, what's going on relationally here? Um, because a lot of times when you get through some of those phases and you get into some of those deeper phases, 
that's the, then your stuff comes out because, you know, in the beginning when you're doing a lot of kind of just uh, frantic relationships and growing your church early, you know, you don't always go deep. You're, you got to be shallow for a reason because mm. you're moving. You know, Jesus was moving a lot. Mm. Stay here and hang out with us. I got to go preach somewhere else. Yeah. I got I to gotta go. I got I to gotta go. And you're going and going and going. But once you get solidified and you have that critical mass of people and you've got some identifiable le- mm-hmm. leaders and you start, now relationship becomes really important. But that relationship is where your stuff comes out. <laughs> and that's where it's, it's necessary to have that assessment to be able mm-hmm. to say, hey, yeah. Um, so essentially what we're saying is that you need people in your life who are somewhat spiritually mature who feel safe enough to tell you the truth in love, and you need to be humble enough to receive that and to realize that there's no condemnation. If someone says, hey, man, your last four sermons weren't really good, they're really negative, there's still no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. (laughs) There's still nothing that's going to separate me from the love of God in Christ. Mm. I'm still in the Father's hand. No one can pluck me out. The criticism doesn't pluck me out of the Father's hand. Right. He's mm-hmm. still building something for me, and he's going to come get me. Mm-hmm. I just need to work on my preaching. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's really that simple. It's, yeah. it's not relational between me and God. It's like, oh, you want to help me be more effective. Yes. One of, one of the things that I look back on our church planning experience, I think, was the healthiest culture setting thing that we did was we started service reviews uh, it, the, the week we started services. And I didn't really think about it like this. I was just trying to be practically make the service as good as possible. So I wasn't thinking about how it would help the culture of the church. But we have like all the people that were participating in the service and then um, and then even some people who just observed the service. And and every week we sat down and got a sheet. If you guys are interested in that, maybe we post in show notes a sheet where people are, you know, they can get, they can we walk through and asks us the same questions every week. Are we doing this? Are we focusing on this? Did our sermon do this? Did the music do this? And um, and what it does is it creates this forum where it's natural and appropriate to create to be critical, mm. uh, but not, not mean. Mm. Um, and so yeah, we got so used to hearing criticism about my sermon that it, it just bounced off me. You know, when the first time I hear it, it feels like, you know, you're a little sick to your stomach, you know? And then, you know, th- week three though, I'm like, yeah, you've been saying this for three weeks, <laughs> right. you know? And it's, and you notice patterns too, the same kind of, like, I remember uh, one of the, one of the first things that I had to address in, in preaching was um, saying um all the time. I would say um. I would just fill silence with um. Mm. And um, no, it's like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still do. I still default to it. But people uh, people would point that out all the time. And w- because they would point it out or because, or if I was talking too fast, I was just going really fast. Too right. fast for even people to write notes or whatever. And all that. So now the fact that it was brought up to me means that when I'm preaching, I'm conscious of it. I'm exactly. thinking about it. I'm trying not to say, um, even though it's kind of natural for me. Yeah. And that has a good effect on my preaching long-term, yeah. you know, it makes me better. And then, you know, I have another preacher I work with that has this habit of pulling the sleeves up like this. He does it like 75 times during a sermon, right. you know? And, um, and so the fact that we bring that up, it's distracting for some people that have minds like that. They're like, why is he doing that? So, <laughs> you know, it's like if I can eliminate that piece from my right. preaching, maybe they'll uh, the hearer will hear a little bit more than they heard before. And so all that stuff that would never come out. You would do that your whole career, right? Exactly. And nobody, you would never know. Exactly. And uh, but what's well, the idea of mirrors, right? Why do we have mirrors in society? 
because we don't know what we look like. Why don't we know what we look like? Because all of our senses are outward oriented. Our eyes look out. Our ears are braced to hear from the outside. Our nose. All of our senses actually are outward oriented. Mm -hmm. Hmm, That's interesting. Now add sin to that. That makes it way more, way harder for me to see myself, right? Mm, That's why I can see the the splinter in your eye, but I can't see the log in my own, right? right? And what you're effectively saying is you can't change until you become aware of the need to. How do we become aware of the need to change? Well, you get yourself in a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes you aware. How does he do that? He leads you into the truth. Yeah. When you get to the truth, the truth's a mirror. Yeah. You see the truth, and the truth goes, oh, this is what it means. Yeah. Oh, I'm a little off there. Okay, Lord, forgive me. Grant me grace. But also relationships, what you're talking about, Clint, is now mm. you've built a culture mm-hmm. where you're having good, honest dialogue, and all they're doing mm-hmm. is they're making you aware of things. Mm. And you're going, oh. And it doesn't mean that you go from... You know, boy, I was like a one here and now I'm a 10. No, you might just go to four or five or six Mm -hmm. and then you might die never getting to 10. That's okay Mm -hmm. because that's called sanctification. Yeah. Not going to be perfected until the age to come. Yeah. Yeah. And that little thing, that little practice of sitting down for 30 minutes a week and talking about the good, bad, and ugly created an environment where people knew it was okay to bring something up and it wouldn't be offensive. And that just permeated everything about the church as the church grew. And now there's a real healthy culture of people feeling like they can go and talk to one another and it's not a big deal. I mean, we do it, do it all the time. And, uh, I think that that's a really good, good thing for your church because so many churches, even churches that I've been involved in are, you know, they're the, the pastor in some way feels like, the per the one person you can't criticize or you shouldn't, maybe it's even sinful to criticize them, right. you know? And, uh, so just, just, just great. Yeah. That's really helpful. Those are great pieces of advice. Okay. So we've covered a lot of territory here about being healthy, assessing yourself, having blind spots, getting a coach, anything else that you want to throw into this conversation. It seems like, um, maybe after, we are finished recording this. Maybe I could get some uh, links or mm-hmm. the um, the the document you're talking about. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Anything else you want to say in conclusion? I, I, it comes to mind to me. A lot of the planters that are be listening to this are probably Send Network planters, and in mm-hmm. the Send Network, we've prioritized coaching. Um, I've got Dino Sinesi uh, working across the country to kind of implement a coaching strategy for. Uh, for the whole co- country. And um, I remember when I was first introduced to this idea, I f- first met Dino when he was first brought on to, to NAM to try to implement this. And we sat down at a dinner table together and he said, um, tell me honestly what you think about coaching. And I said, honestly, I don't think hardly anything about coaching because most of the coaching situations I know are just, you know, an expert church planner getting in a room with a guy who's struggling in church planning and that guy leaving more discouraged than he got there, you know? So, I mean, it's, I don't really have a use for it. And, uh, and he said, well, you misunderstand what, what I'm here to do. And so he, he started to explain to me that coaching was really a bit more like what I would describe as accountability. Um, so a coaching relationship inside the send network looks, looks like if, if Michael and I are working together, me asking Michael, um, Hey, how are things going for you? 
you know, and he says, yeah, this isn't going well in my life. And I say, well, what needs to change about that? And he says, well, this really needs to change. Well, when's that going to change or how's that going to change? And you tell me how it's going to change. And then I become um, an advocate for the, the accomplishment of that task so that you ha- overcome that barrier. Right. So now it's not just you who recognize it or is thinking about it. I'm calling you. I'm I'm urging you, I'm holding you accountable to do the actions that it's going to take to overcome that, that dilemma. Yeah. Uh, because so often we got so many things that are not well in our life that we are focusing on some of them and attacking them. And some we're just ignoring, we're just sticking our head in the sand. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so inside the sin network, this is kind of just talking to our tribe for just a second inside the sin network, you may see the assignment of a coach as uh, it's just like another thing on that list of things that I have to do. Another conversation I have, I have to have, this is really the best gift that you could be given as a church planter is, is somebody to walk with you in, uh, this, this, um, this difficult journey of church planning they're going to have. That's going to be more difficult than four four years of prison. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, uh, I have a coach now as a church planter and it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. It's been really good. And it is, um, holistic, you know, uh, Joel, who's my coach, is not just asking me about Sundays and my preaching, but he's asking me about my family. And there is this opportunity to share, like, yeah. this is the thing that's causing anxiety in my life. This is the thing that I feel upset about, you yeah. know, I lost this person, you know, they didn't come back to church, I upset yeah. them. And that is, oh man, it's priceless. Yeah. So mm. huge gift to be able to have a coach. Yeah. Sometimes just voicing things out loud to help you grapple with them in a way that you don't can't if you just are rolling yeah. it around inside your head. I think what comes to mind for me is, is, is kind of something that you said to me a couple of days ago, Clint, we're working on this sustainability seminar we're having for planners and pastors. The idea that we're not alone, mm-hmm. you know, obviously our God is a very mm-hmm. present help in time of trouble, trouble. He's a refuge, right? But people, you know, what's our sin network values? Brotherhood is number one. Yeah. <laughs> Multiplication, right? Yeah. Restoration, but brotherhood, we're not alone. Yeah. And some planter out there needs to be reminded of that today. He's mm-hmm. not alone because planting, one of the reasons why it can be harder than a four-year prison sentence is mm-hmm. because it isolates you. Yeah. It has right. unique ways to make you feel even though you know brotherhood and we're not, you feel alone. Mm-hmm. You feel so isolated and so alone and like, how, who do I talk to and why would I ever talk to them? And what's going to happen if I talk to mm-hmm. them? You know, a lot of planners are worried about that. If I bring up what I'm anxious about, if I tell them this, if I tell them I'm struggling with that, I just want to encourage um, men, uh, you, you're not alone, but you got to exercise that. Yeah, you got to you got to call Clint, you got to call me, you got to you know call Josh, you got to you got to get real with your coach and you got to tell us if your coaching relationship isn't what we talked about today, mm. tell us we want to change that. Right. It might be a chemistry thing where you just don't work well with that coach. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get assigned a coach and it's a chemistry thing. Yeah. You know, he's heady, you're hearty. Does that work? You know, you're happy. He's, he's sober. Right. You know, it doesn't work. <laughs> change by all means, whatever it takes. That's one of my values. Like change a coach, get the kind of coach that'll mm. make you a better Christian, a better husband, a better father, and a more effective disciple maker. Huh. And if that means, hey, next semester I'm going to change my coach, change your coach. Yeah. But if there's something weighing on your heart, something that you're being plagued with, something that's bringing you down, you got to talk about it because isolation is not 
God's design. And we do bad things when we get isolated. Bad things happen when we get isolated. Yeah. So we want to encourage you. You're not going to shock me, Clint. No one in Sin Network is going to be shocked. And, you know, we, we're on record, and I say this almost all the time. Um, I believe that if we're really a body, right, uh, which I think we are, then we're responsible to not only to, you know, when one part of the body succeeds, we celebrate with it. Yeah. But when one part suffers, we suffer with it. Yeah. And we have to get better at picking up people and yeah. walking with men who have failed and who are broken, who yeah. have made mistakes, who have sinned, and realize we're a hospital and we need to be more loving than the world. And we need to make sure that people know we are here for you, whether you're mm-hmm. succeeding or failing. We love you, we want the best for you, and we'll do whatever we can to put you in a position for you to be successful, whether that means you continuing in your plant or you discontinuing and transitioning. We just want God's best for you. Yeah. Amen. Man, great stuff. Thanks, guys, for sitting down. I'm sure planters will receive a lot from this. Amen. Hey, podcaster, thanks for listening to the Church Planting Podcast. Hopefully, it's been useful and helpful to you in your ministry. And if it has, we'd like you to do two things for us. First, we'd like you to subscribe. If you subscribe right there in your podcast application for the Church Planting Podcast, then every time a new episode is posted uh, midday on Wednesdays, that will show up in your, in your podcast feed and you won't have to search for us every time you want to listen. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is simply click that share button in your application and uh, post about the Church Planting Podcast, either your favorite episode or the podcast as a whole on your favorite social media platform. That would be a huge help to us and it would help other folks who are out there trying to start new churches glean from the wisdom of those who are featured on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Church Planting Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode.